0: When we left the story of the life and ministry of Jesus, it was on the day of preparation. They had crucified him at the time that they were also sacrificing the lambs for Passover. After he had died, Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus and buried in his own tomb, which was in a garden tomb nearby the place of the crucifixion. And all of this had to be done quickly because Passover was at hand and they could not defile the Passover. And so the burial of Jesus was done quickly, but not completely. But the problem with attending to the final preparations of his burial was that after the day of preparation was Passover, which was a high holy day where no work could be done. The day after Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The first day is again a high holy day and a day where no work was to be done. And then came Saturday, the Sabbath, which no work could be done. And I'm sure that those of his disciples who loved him had lots of time to think during those, that time, especially during Passover, because they had celebrated a form of the Passover a day early, and he had instituted the Lord's Supper and broke bread and declared that was his body broken for them, something that at the time they quite didn't understand, that the cup was his blood, the new covenant, And that as often they were to eat and drink, they would do that to declare his death until they came. And those were all just words without particular meaning. I'm sure during these days of rest, they had lots of opportunity to consider that. Along with, I'm sure, their own fear about what would happen next to them. Because as Jesus said, when the shepherd is struck, the sheep are scattered And they weren't sure what their next move was. And after all, they had devoted the last three and a half years plus of their lives to this rabbi. To this one, they had forsaken their families. And they had followed him. And now he was dead. And even though he had talked about things, they quite hadn't grasped it. Probably like when we read certain books of the Bible, like Revelation, everybody says that those are to be taken allegorically or they're symbolic, then we expect it to be allegorical and symbolic rather than real. And I'm sure that's kind of what they're coming to grips with. And the women that followed Jesus, who ministered to him and provided much of the financing that followed him, and I'm sure they felt a duty to care for his body in the way that he is their teacher. And the one who had loved them like no other, that they wanted to at least honor him to provide for his body properly. So they had to wait these three days for that to happen. And they didn't wait until the sun got up. They waited as long as they could, and they started making preparation for the preparation of the body and started going to the tomb before it was even light. And we're going to go back and forth between... Matthew 28 and John 20, because I think it gives the most systematic approach of what's happening during this time. So I'm going to go back and forth. And then at the end, we're going to look at Luke 24. And so Matthew 28 says, Now after the Sabbath, and again, that's Saturday, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came in and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. So we're told at least two of the women's name are there, and they've come to provide. And we will see later that that there is this kind of discussion. How is it that we're going to tend to the body because there's a stone? How are we going to roll it back? And uh, we may need help. And so these two women at least have come on Sunday. And we're told that there's a large earthquake, a severe earthquake, and the stone has been rolled away. Now going to John chapter 20, it says, on the first, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and I do not know where they have laid him. Mary Magdalene loved Jesus, and Jesus had loved Mary. And I'm sure she made an assumption that we all tend to make. The stone has been rolled away. His body's not there. Therefore, somebody must have stolen the body. And I need to tell someone so we can find his body to prepare it the way it ought to and to treat him as his dignity requires. And Mary Madeline is very much like us. Rather than waiting for the God to reveal things to us, she took action. I need to find help. And she took off to tell Peter that the Lord's body had been moved. If she had just waited a few moments with the other ladies, she would have heard the angel speak. But instead of that, she took off, which means that her grief is going to last longer because she's still uncertain where the body of Jesus is. But the women we're going to see who remained at the tomb are going to be told by the angel. And so, going back to Matthew 20, verse 3, it starts describing the angel. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen Just as he said, come and see the place where he was laying. Now, the women are told by an angel, he's not there. And he tells them he's not there, not because the body has been stolen, but because he has risen from the dead like he said he was going to do. And the angel said, see, here's proof. Now. Now. Earlier we're told that there was a large earthquake, a severe earthquake, and the stone rolled away, and the angel sat upon it. The earthquake didn't happen, and the stone was not rolled away because Jesus needed to get out of the grave. The stone was rolled away so that everyone could see that Jesus wasn't in the grave. He didn't need, because we will see later that he appears and disappears through walls. He did not need the help of the angel to move the stone. As a matter of fact, we, we kind of joke uh, sometimes because there's a lot of churches and, it, and it's good and I'm not criticizing. I'm just having a little fun that there is sunrise services to declare the resurrection. And my little joke is the women went to the tomb and he wasn't there. So why should I bother going? So I'll go later. I truly believe, I may be wrong, but I truly believe that Jesus rose at the beginning of what is called first fruits, because the scripture says the the, the, the day after the Sabbath, after Passover, is first fruits. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Now, on Saturday at sundown, when the sun goes down, that for the Jewish calendar is Sunday. And the high priest would wait, and he would have a, a handful of, of, of sheath of grain. And he would wait until the last beam of the sun shone, which now declared it to be Sunday. And he would wave that sheath before the Lord as an offering declaring in faith that this is the beginning, the first fruits of the harvest. I think that's when Jesus rose from the grave. Maybe it was 3 a.m. Maybe it was 5 a.m. But I think that's when he rose from the dead. But then we needed to have the stone rolled away so that we might know that he's not there. But the angel says, something, not only is he not there, he is risen just as he said. And I want you to go check it out. Go look at the tomb. But I want you to do something. I want you to, in verse 7, go quickly. Don't take your time. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So the angel says, I've got a mission for you. You've seen that the body's not here, that he is risen like he said, and I want you to go tell his disciples and that the plan was he's going to meet you in Galilee. So what are you doing? One of the reasons that you know that the scriptures are reliable is that during this day and age, women were not... Confident witnesses. They could not testify as to anything. It required the testimony of two or three men to confirm something. And women were incompetent to testify. And yet the scriptures say the very first people who discover that Jesus isn't there are women. Shows you how high a regard the Lord holds women. That they are the ones to declare that he's not there. He's risen. And they're the ones to tell the disciples, hey guys, get your act together. He didn't just talk, he meant it. And the angel said, not only that, but when all these things happen, when you go see him physically, remember I told you. And they left the tomb. Quickly, with fear and great joy, and ran to report it to his disciples. And Behold, Jesus met and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take the word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. So Jesus, again, confirms what the angel has said. Go to my brethren and tell them I've risen and let us meet. Now we're going to go back to John chapter 20. Verse three. So Peter and the other disciple, and whenever you're reading John and it talks about the other disciple, it means John. And so Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb and the two were running together. And the other disciple ran faster, ahead faster. So John's saying, my, my time in the 100-yard dash is much faster than Peter's, and I got there ahead of him. And so I ran, and stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. You see, probably, and I believe how the tomb was, you know, that there, you had the, the tomb hewn out of rock, and then they would have a ledge where the body would lay, and John looked in and didn't see a body, but he saw linen wrapping, which is a very important clue that we'll talk about in just a moment. And so Peter Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. So Peter doesn't stop. He keeps running all the way into the tomb. John hesitates and looks in, no nobody there just. Some linen wrappings, but Peter goes into the tomb and saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Now, why is this an important clue? Because if somebody had stolen the body, they would steal everything. They would steal the linen wrappings. They would steal everything. Why? Why? Because Jesus's body was a bloody mess. He had been scourged. He had been crucified. He had been nail pierced in his hands and his feet and his side. He had bled both blood and water. He was a bloody mess. And blood, if you touched it, not only touched it, but a dead body, you were considered unclean. So they would not bother unwrapping the body if they were going to steal it. They would take everything with them. Jesus rose from the dead. Now, there are those who say, and and I don't dispute it, that it is significant that the head covering was rolled up. Some say it's because I'm done and I'm leaving it there. And others say Jesus is leaving the tomb, and it did so not in haste, but orderly and grave robbers certainly wouldn't roll up the face mask and leave it there. So there are clues. Verse 8, so the other disciple who had first come to the tomb, again John, then also entered and saw and believed. All of a sudden, Jesus had been telling them, Jesus had been teaching them, But after they saw the linen wrappings and after they saw the face covering rolled, that is when John believed. It wasn't when the women told him he was gone. It wasn't that the angel told the women that he was risen. But when John saw the empty tomb, he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. They're not too sure what to do. But I find this interesting. It says that the disciples go to their own homes. But what was it that Jesus told them to do? What was it the angels told them to do? It was to go to Galilee and I'll meet you there. But again, isn't that like us? Jesus wants to meet us. He wants to to walk with us. He wants to be our Lord and our Savior. And so often we say, I'll do it later. Yeah, I'll do it later. She said, go quickly to Galilee so that I might be with you. And we're saying, I'll take my time. Going back again to John chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary, again, Mary Magdalene, was standing outside the tomb, weeping. And so as she wept, she stood and looked into the tomb. So we see Mary, and that's why I'm going back and forth. So now Mary is gone and reported it to the disciples that somebody must have taken the body. And she's gone back. Why? Because that's where she's hoping maybe the body might be. And, and she doesn't know what to do. And her grief has overcome her. So she went back to the scene of the crime, if you will. Trying to figure out what's going on. And she's weeping. And legitimately so. Because she hadn't heard the word. She made an assumption. And she saw two angels, which means if there are two angels, there are one angel. So the scriptures aren't contrary. So she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. So one was sitting on a rock, on a stone, and now these two are sitting where Jesus' head would have been, and where his feet would have been. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. You see, she's saying, because there's been a crime. They've, it wasn't enough that they crucified him. It wasn't enough that they scourged him. It wasn't enough that they didn't allow us to have time to prepare the body. But now, in the last resort, they have desecrated his body by taking it. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman. Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? So Jesus asked two questions. Why is it you're crying? Not just crying, you're weeping. You are obviously emotionally distraught at this situation. So why are you weeping? And what what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener. Again, another assumption. And I'm not throwing rocks at her because that's what we all do. We all make assumptions. Assuming that he was supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. So she says, look, maybe if while you were mowing the, or cutting the branches or doing whatever you do as gardener, if you move the body, let me know where you did it. And I'll, and I'll take care of it. And Jesus said to her, Mary, he just just said her name, Mary. And I bet the way he said her name caused her to realize just the way he had said her name before, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. So Mary is so grateful that she is just grasping at his feet, won't let him go, because she lost his body once, they crucified him, he died, and now he's alive, and I'm not letting you go. Oh, that we wouldn't let Jesus go. And then he says, stop clinging to me, or I have not yet ascended. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus didn't go to heaven after his death. The scripture clearly teaches that he, after his crucifixion, had led captivity captive and took the offering of his blood and placed it on the mercy seat in heaven and sat down. When he says, I have not yet ascended, he's talking physically, and there will come a time soon that he will, in his new resurrected body, ascend to heaven, but because he hasn't stopped clinging to me because there are still things I've got to do. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Notice, Jesus doesn't reprimand her for her lack of faith. As a matter of fact, he rewards and says, not only is the Lord my God, the Lord is your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, and I could just see it. The first time she came, she was weeping and being distraught, not knowing where the Lord was. And now she comes to the disciples. I have seen the Lord and they have, and he had said these things to her. She now satisfies, yeah, I saw the empty tomb. My assumption was somebody stole the body, but I saw him risen from the dead. I saw the angels and they told me that he had risen from the dead, that he wasn't there. And I am telling you that he rose. From the dead. Now in their intervening time. Going back again to Matthew 28. Starting with verse 11. Other things are happening. Now while they were on their way. Some of the, of the guard came into the city. And reported to the chief priests All that had happened. So they're going to say. There was an earthquake. The stone rolled away. We saw an angel sitting on the stone, and we fell down as dead men. And he's gone. And when they assembled with the elders and consulted together, they, came, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. Again, these religious leaders, the ones who are supposed to be teachers of Israel, whenever confronted with the facts, always develop a lie. They lied when they accused Jesus of saying, he said he could tear down the temple and be rebuilt in three days. Then later, after the crucifixion, they said, well, he told his disciples that he would die and three days later arise, so let's put a guard there so that they can't steal the body. They quoted him correctly then, but not during the trial. The truth never matters to them. And you would think that these religious leaders, would, as Jesus told, your God and my God. But no, there's no evil bounds in these people. So they bribed them with not a few coins like they gave to Judas. They gave them a large sum of money. and said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. The very reason that they were on guard duty was to prevent that. Here's a bunch of, in our day a bunch of country bumpkins. Nobody gave a lot of credit to Galileans. They spoke funny. You could tell the way they spoke. Uh, obviously, even in today, when we talk about whether Peter wrote 1st and 2nd Peter they say oh his Greek is too good obviously it can't be Peter because his Greek's too good so here they're accusing these bumbling disciples who couldn't even stand with Jesus during his trial to say they sold the body while guards were there roman guards guards who were professional soldiers And if that should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. Yeah, you know what the trouble is? Execution. It wasn't, oh, uh, you got extra guard duty for the next three months. No, no you die. They said, don't worry. We've been able to manipulate Pilate so far, we'll keep manipulating him. So don't worry. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day and there are still those who believe that his disciples stole the body. Now I want you to turn to Luke chapter 24 starting with verse 13. there is another resurrection appearance. and before we turn there I I want you to understand something. There is a tendency during this day that some call Easter, some call Resurrection Sunday. I call First Fruits because I believe that's the biblical name. But whatever you call it, there is a tendency to on this day preach about the resurrection, and then next Sunday we'd preach on something else, and something else, and something else. You see, Resurrection Sunday was not the only day that Jesus was demonstrated that he had risen from the dead to his disciples and others. As a matter of fact, he remained on this earth after his resurrection for 40 days. Demonstrating to himself at various times, to various groups, to singles and multiple people, at one time as many as 500 men together. And so... Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of his resurrection appearances because I want you to understand it wasn't just Resurrection Sunday and then we moved on. He rose from the dead and presented himself alive for 40 days. Luke chapter 24 verse 13 says this, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. I want you to notice how many times both believers have not recognized him. So when your unbelieving friends don't recognize who Jesus is, don't be surprised. Because it takes the Holy Spirit to unveil our eyes, And so they're talking and they're discussing and they're walking. uh, And Jesus is now walking with them. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still and looked sad. Now, the the scripture, sometimes we just read. I want you to, they're walking and discussing and probably having this, Lively debate and and discussion of what's going on. And all of a sudden they stop dead still. What do you mean you're asking this question? It doesn't compute. And so they kind of say that. And one of them named Cleophas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here? He's so, going, wait a minute. Hey, guy, you've been traveling from Jerusalem. We're on our way to Emmaus. So obviously, you've been there. And you're asking this question? And he said to them, What things? Jesus always, he always asks the obvious question. And the reason he asks the obvious question is, comes times it's not so obvious. And it starts to frame. What the question is. Because a lot of time our thinking is very muddled. But when we speak, there are times when we kind of figure, that was a dumb question. Or yeah, maybe it makes sense. So speaking sometimes allows you to organize your thoughts. So he said to them, What things? And they said that the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed and in word in the sight of God and all the people. They're saying, Jesus was the man, he was a prophet. And not only did God esteem him, but everybody around him thought he was pretty cool. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him over to the sentence of death and crucified him. So those are what's happening, but I'll tell you what was going on inside. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all of this, it is the third day since these things happened. They're going these are the things that happened. And our hope, our dreams, was that Jesus was the Messiah and he was going to establish Israel. That was our hope. That was, that's what's happening, and that's what's happening on the inside. But also some of the women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body. And they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had also said, but him they did not see. So they recount all the things that are happening. Peter and John had run to the tomb. It was empty. The women had declared that the tomb was empty, but the angels had declared that they to go to Galilee where he would meet them there because he is not here. He has risen. And he being Jesus said to them, Oh foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. First Jesus says, You're supposed to be children of the book. You are the carriers of the oracle of God. And you don't understand what's going on because the scriptures are clear. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? So he asked them a question Was it not necessary for this to happen? You're confused, but was it not necessary? I want you to understand something in the magnitude of things as well in the minimal things of your life that you think are are magnified. God can take the evil of men and make it for his glory. The religious leaders were determined to crucify Jesus so that they might get rid of him, and they didn't care what the truth was. And God took that evil and caused salvation for you and me. So if God can do that, God can deal with the crisis in your life. Then, he didn't just leave it there. Then, beginning with Moses... And with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. What a Bible study. That wasn't just a Bible study. That was theology 101 plus. To have the one who wrote the scriptures, who's about the scriptures, to explain the scriptures. And as they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he was going going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, these guys may not have had a clue about the scriptures, but they know not yet who Jesus is, but they know they want to be around this guy because he's teaching them like no one has taught them. And he has clearly expounded upon the scriptures, starting with Moses and all the scriptures, why this had to take place. Verse 30, And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. I can just see it all of a sudden now, just as at the Lord's Supper, just as at that Passover celebration, as he had broken the bread and said, this body, my body is broken for you. Do this as often as you eat in remembrance of me. And as he took the wine and shared it and blessed it and passed it around saying, this is the blood of the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it as often as you do, do so to declare my death until I come. And then their eyes catch. And then they see who he is. But he leaves. And that's why it says he vanishes. We will see later that he has a very physical body. But it is a resurrected body. And no longer does the physics of walls bother him. And no longer does the physics of of a stone t- tomb father bother him. And then one of my favorite verses. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning with us, within us while he was speaking to us on the way? They said there was something different. We didn't recognize it at the time, but after we... There was something about being in his presence and him teaching, and our hearts burn within us. I've had that same feeling that I wouldn't call a feeling. I've had that same experience. When I see the scriptures and Jesus teaches me something new that I hadn't realized, there's something that burns in my heart to the realization of who, how awesome our God is. And even though I'm a sinner, how much he loves me. And my heart burns within me as I walk with him. And I'm sure you have had the same experience, those of you who are believers. As you walk with Jesus, learning from him, that your heart burns within you. But you might ask, well, Pastor Joe, how do I know that it's that and it's not pepperoni pizza? How is it that I know that that you're just not having some kind of weird feeling? Because in today's culture, feelings just control everything. This is how I know, because the Father testified that He is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Son testified that he is the Son of God, and his ministry, both in his life and his deeds and his actions, demonstrated that he's the Messiah. The Holy Spirit has testified that he is the Messiah. His entire life testified that he is the Messiah. His death on a cross testified that he is the Messiah. His burial in a rich man's tomb for three days testified that he's the Messiah. The empty tomb testifies that he's the Messiah. The witnesses, both the women and his followers and others, testify that he's the Messiah. Paul, who wasn't even there, who was an enemy of the church, ran into him and testified that he's the Messiah. And even later born than Paul, me, I testify because of the testimony of all of those. He's the Messiah. So it's not pepperoni pizza. Because I followed the teaching of Moses and the scriptures. And they testified of him. And even if you think the the scriptures aren't inspired. The witnesses testified. The witnesses were reliable. Even if you don't think the witness is reliable, the circumstances are reliable and the empty tomb is reliable. So we celebrate this day, but we should celebrate every day as resurrection day, as first fruits, because he rose from the dead And because he rose from the dead, my sins have been forgiven because he paid it on the cross and God confirmed it by his resurrection. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then we are lost in our sins without hope. But the resurrection means that we have hope. The resurrection means that we are not just observing his resurrection, but there is a hope that one day those of you Of us who have lost loved ones who were believers, we will see them because they will raise from the dead, not just as spirits, but in physical bodies. And that we who are alive will also be raised, whether it's from the dead or while we're still remaining here. This day is a day of celebration. It is a day of hope. It is a day to declare the good news of our God because he's not dead. He's alive. He's alive in this world and he's alive in believers' hearts and he's alive by his actions. He's not a God afar off. He's still a God who ministers here and now. In a moment, we're going to sing a time of reflection. Then we're going to sing some songs about the resurrection. But I want you to understand. The world thinks by the crucifixion, it's over. The Lamb of God, as revelations will say, is not just the Lamb of God, but he is the Lion of Judah. And he did not go out with a whimper. He went out with a roar. And he has called us to be bold and to declare his resurrection. Because we are in good company with the facts. It's not, oh, we believe because we hope it to be. We believe because he rose from the dead and all God's people said,